Hi, I'm Eric, also known as TrekkieV47, from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It is, and I was simply not prepared. To listen to this show, find us on 4eyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Was that a line from the episode that I forgot, or were you No, no, I just can't. I, I, I was genuinely not prepared for the villain that we're about to talk about today. Oh, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's funny enough. I was. I, I'm glad that I was right because I hinted at this in our in our AMA that like someone mentioned Big Wheel and you were like, "Who's Big Wheel?" And mm-hmm. I was like, "I'm pretty sure we're gonna run into him," but I hadn't seen the episode in a long time. I really didn't remember anything about this episode, to be honest. Zilch. Uh, yeah. Literally nothing, about it. nothing. So it's actually kind of surprising that I even remembered that Big Wheel even existed at all, and I don't think that. Um, rocket racer or big wheel from this episode ever appear again in the show either so or like or like any other iteration of spider-man cartoons uh so yeah i I guess like it's i'm shocked that i even remembered as much as i did and i remembered basically nothing so yeah (laughs) it's it's wild i i i watched the when i watched this through the first time i was like i do not remember it's like no memory nothing Nothing's ringing any bells. Nothing is familiar. And I think there are probably very legitimate reasons for that um, that aren't necessarily like qualitative judgment. I think it's more content stuff that I wouldn't have necessarily uh, recognized or vibed with as like a 10 year old, but very much appreciate now. Um, So there's like a part of me that almost is like happy I didn't remember it, if that makes any sort of sense. Yeah. Well, Uh, sort of sort of watching it with like fresh eyes, I guess. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I'm going to just dive right right into this right now because yeah. one of the things that I have been thinking about is I was trying to do re- – I was doing – I mean, I always do research before every episode to see if there's any interesting interview snippets or whatever. And I was sort of surprised that I didn't find, like, John Semper especially talking about this one I'm at all. I'm very because, surprised. Yeah. Um, and if I, – I have a feeling that, like, after this is over, I'm going to come upon, like, five sure. inter- interviews or something like that. So if you're listening and, you, and you've heard him talk about it, let me know. I'm curious. I just didn't find anything with my research because um, I would be – I would be curious for him to – have talked about it because I mean, this, this is a case where like rocket racer and big wheel both, but especially rocket racer, like it's not a character that I think you would have really expected, but the fact that he did bring in rocket racer. And I know that Semper had like shared his views uh, on the blade episode where he very intentionally was like, I want to get like more black characters from the Marvel universe Mm -hmm. who haven't been in cartoons in my cartoon. And I think this is another sort of instance of that, even though rocket racer obviously is like, 
I would argue probably a much lower tier Marvel character than Blade is. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still, it's still sort of the same idea, I think. Sure. Um, so I, I, that's why I feel like I feel like he had to have talked about it at some point, but he hasn't. But the thing that I did come upon a lot when I was looking for things that Semper had said about it or looking for interviews about it was like I did come a lot come upon a lot of like fan reviews and stuff. And and a lot of things that I one of the things that I think was really common that came up a lot in like whether it's like older reviews from like the 2000s or like wiki pages or what have you was like or in message boards too like it kept coming up a lot that people were like oh this is the worst episode of the show what um, I mean I yeah. guess if I give it like two seconds of thought I can understand but where some of that probably comes from that's the thing but and, this and, is nowhere close I mean it. it it has the same problems that any given episode of this particular series yeah. might have, but no way is this the worst episode we've even watched to this point. Right. That's what I was going to say. Is like <laughs> I don't think this is a great episode. I think this episode has problems, and I think it's a particularly ugly episode, unfortunately. Oh, too. really? I think so. I don't think this episode looks good. Um, I think but... the opposite. Oh, mm. <laughs> but, uh, but either way, like, I think, it, I think that there's problems with it, but yeah, just in the first and second season alone, like there's episodes that are just like a mess. And really like at the end of the day with this one, I think any issues that I have with it are more like, you know, execution things or like little plot or character things. The core of it, I think is really good. And I think for this show to this point, pretty unique too. Um, but so, like, you know, when reading that, <laughs> when reading, like, reviews that are probably for a bunch of white guys about an episode that's, like, very centered on the black experience yep. in a show that's a very predominantly white show, uh, but run by a black man, it's sort of like, oh, that makes you go, hmm, right? But at the same time, like, I, I'm trying to be fair about it because I do think that there are, like, legit. I wouldn't say legitimate, but there are there are like things that are related to race that people were uh, not happy about that I still think are kind of superficial. Uh, one thing is that like a lot of people were grouping this with another episode from this season, The Spot, which I haven't I don't remember much from either. But in both cases, it's like, who cares about these villains? These are silly villains. Give me Sandman and Electro or whoever. We haven't, we haven't seen them yet, you know. And it's an episode coming off of the introduction of the Green Goblin, which is a good episode and a villain people had wanted to see. And if this is your first time watching through, like, it's a big deal kind of villain followed up with this. So, like, I think some of the some of the hate for it isn't even really thinking through it that much. I think it literally is, like, I don't care about Big Wheel and Rocket Racer as characters. Mm-hmm. So I, they're not the villains that I'm familiar with. So that means it's bad, um, which like I I don't agree with. And I and I do think it would be different now because now people love those deep cuts. But I guess if this is your first Spider-Man show in a decade and it's the only Spider-Man show that exists, you're looking for more of your classic characters that you want to see, I guess. Right. Like, I guess I get that. I don't agree with it, but I kind of get that. But I think that maybe is probably more of it, which is really superficial. Um, and then. And then, yeah, anybody who's probably, if they are analyzing it for a review, they're just not really thinking through the uh, perspective and experience that this episode has. Um, and I, th- I think that both of us are more interested in trying to do that when we're, when we're looking at these. Yeah, I think we tend to approach each episode we're watching as, a, as an individual product, even if it's part of a larger arc or even a two-parter, right? Like, we just covered a two-parter, and I think if we really wanted to, we could sit there and say, which of them is a better episode? Because they're still technically different episodes, you know? Like, yeah. um, 
yeah, I, I think I think that's that's a big a big piece of it too. It's just how we approach things. And I'm I'm sure a lot of the reasons that those that plenty of those folks would call this a bad episode are some of the reasons I didn't necessarily remember it as a kid because I didn't know these villains and the particular things they were talking about didn't apply to me. Um, but it not being memorable to a 10 year old white kid in the suburbs is not the same thing as it being a bad episode. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have cared about it as a kid either. But um, but I also don't I don't know, even as a. I don't think I would have watched this and been like, that was the worst. I would have just like, I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have had an attachment to it. No, I think I wouldn't have remembered it necessarily, but I feel like while I was watching it, I probably would have had a lot of fun because I do think there's a lot in this episode that is fun and cool. And I, I, it's, uh, I love the few times we've walked away from episodes having wildly different, uh, impressions of how something looks. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of them clearly. Um, but I think as a kid, I would have thought a lot of the stuff that they did looked cool too. Sure. Um, and like stood out and was sort of like flashy. I mean, one of the, one of the, thi- one of my biggest critiques of the show as an adult is its pacing. But as a kid, I would have been, I would have been glued to my seat for 20 straight minutes. Like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. You know? Um, because this episode doesn't stop, which yeah, yeah. that to me is more of a legit <laughs> critique of the product (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but as a kid i i don't think that would have made me not like it i think it would have been exciting yeah yeah i think so too this episode is like nowhere near the depths of like the tablet of time two-parter or like the hobgoblin or anything the hobgoblin was in in the first first season i I don't think this touches even the the spider slayer stuff that i went in really hard on yeah, and I think part of it is because, again, like, I think it has a really uh, solid core and a really uh, good perspective, um, and it's telling a story that we haven't heard on this particular show before, and, I mean, I'm sure people are watching and don't care about Rocket Racer or whatever, but I think that Robert as a character is a really compelling character in the episode. Um, I do think this sh- this episode... This is the type of episode I could see suddenly finding new life if the right yeah. person wrote about it right now. Yeah, I think um, so too. Because I think a lot of people would be like, oh, shit, like that's not even a thing I would have been thinking about as just another white person, <laughs> you know, yeah. in the 90s. Uh, but now I, I'm I'm confronted with it or I have chosen to educate myself on it or I I now have been sort of like either self like like reflecting on or been forced to reflect on uh, what these stories can mean and how more universal or specific um, they might be and what what they sort of mean uh, mm-hmm. you know I, it would be interesting uh, I would not be surprised if uh, if in you know not that I'm expecting it but I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of years or so uh, we just like saw this floating around and we're like mm, yep there it is. <laughs> Someone found it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I didn't watch it, but there was like a longer, long, I'm going to say long, but I think it was only like eight minutes or something, but like some YouTube video. I don't know like if it was like an essay or if it was just like a compilation of clips, but I, it came up in the search. I saw the description. And it was like Spider-Man in the 90s was like more progressive than you remember and then listed that it was a clip from Rocket Racer yeah. and it was from like 2021. So it's like, I think that that's going to inevitably happen as people like revisit the show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it's always interesting. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but, like, 
I'm al- I, I always think it's sort of fascinating when you revisit stuff, especially from like the early 90s, like very closely following like the L.A. riots mm-hmm. uh, when there is when there is something that's sort of commentating or highlighting like uh, the relationship of like the black experience with police, you know, yep. um, and it's like. Oh, yeah, those conversations about racial justice and that experience, like, are not new, even though they've had a resurgence lately. Like, that was a that had, <laughs> they had a, a that resurgence was... on the ears of white people because yeah, these conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. have literally and I'm, that's not I'm not I'm not I'm not like rebutting anything you're saying, but just like the I, I think it's important to note, right, that yeah. like it's a resurgence for for those of us who aren't forced to think about it. It's a constant conversation yeah. for folks who do like. In media, especially where yeah. like it's it becomes like a talking point in shows that aren't just like uh, shows that are aimed specifically at the black demographic or something like that. Like yeah. this this is a show that is full of white people, and even though Semper himself was a black man, the majority of the rest of the staff were all white guys. Mm-hmm. So like the fact that it is in this show, I think is 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 uh, telling for that that it was in the conversation at the time. And again, it's the kind of thing that you would see in in a cartoon, I think, in 2021 as well. Yeah. I mean, even the fact that this episode is something people would point to to say that this show is more progressive than you expect, I think, speaks to what this show and its audience are supposed to be, right? Like, or who yeah. who people would, would default to the audience being for this show. Um, yeah. Because, because the story that's being told in this episode is, for many people like just it's not a special episode it's not an episode out of place um mm-hmm. if they're comparing it to their own life yeah yeah definitely definitely well let's talk about it um yeah. there's, there's plenty to talk about it. if you want to watch along with us this is of course available on disney plus available for purchase on other digital platforms and this is the last episode that's on the ultimate villain showdown dvd so fascinating so is that dvd just like a stretch of episodes or is it yeah Okay, so yeah. it's not like a, a a hand-picked collection. No, it's it's interesting because, <laughs> like, a couple of them were like that, but then there's, like, this, and I think there's, like, the Daredevil. Uh, I know there's, like, a, the one after this that has the Daredevil episodes, and then I think just more from the third season mm-hmm. on there as well. Um, So, like, I guess, like, the third season probably is the one that got the most release because I feel like a big chunk of the third season got a release interestingly enough and then there's Mm -hmm. like some first season and some fourth season episodes and like that's it uh very strange (laughs) (laughs) don't get it the episode we're talking about is spider-man the animated series season three episode five entitled the sins of the fathers chapter five rocket racer Synopsis per IMDb is, Robert, a former troublemaker, has been trying to help his mother with her business and her illness. But when a new gang, led by Big Wheel, threatened them, Robert takes matters into his own hands. Pretty good synopsis, actually. It is. There's a couple typos that I just uh, skidded by, but that's all right. Because <laughs> sure. otherwise it was pretty good. <laughs> the original air date was September 14th, 1996. Story by John Semper and written by Doug Booth and Mark Hoffmeyer. Uh, we talked about both Semper and Hoffmeyer recently and frequently. Um, we talked about Doug Booth on our episode 22 most recently, but I think he's come up a handful of times because he's written like on a ton of stuff. Pretty much every prominent cartoon from like 76 until 2006. Um, and that includes Spider-Man 1981, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, X-Man and Iron Man. So pretty much every Marvel thing from uh, from the 80s through the 90s <laughs> as well. We get a slew of characters introduced uh, for this episode, and many of them, I think, 
like just specifically for this episode because you mentioned a number of these characters we won't see again. Um, so these are just in in order of <laughs> of appearance. Um, we get Jackson Wheel, who might have been called that once at the end of the episode. Otherwise, yeah. they just refer to him as Big Wheel. Um, and he was voiced by Michael DeBar, who, in addition to acting, uh, is an English rock vocalist <laughs> uh, who fronted a number of bands and is not like an insignificant person um, in that sphere. So that was a surprise to me. But he fronted bands such as Silverhead and Detective, as well as a supergroup Checkered Past, which featured members of Blondie and the Sex Pistols. So, like, not not notable. <laughs> so I was, like, really yeah. caught off guard. I was like, wait, that's who this is? <laughs> so weird. Um, as far as acting goes, he had recurring roles in MacGyver as a character named Murdoch, which he uh, reprised in the recent reboot, which is always kind of fun. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and Melrose Place. And he played the owner of the restaurant in the Seinfeld episode, Smelly Car. Gotcha. <laughs> Do you remember that episode? Uh, I recognize the title, but I don't like. I can't picture. I can't picture the guy or anything in my head. So. Yeah, I didn't remember him from the episode or anything. But when I saw the title of that that episode, I was like, "Ooh, this is the one that's like burned into my brain." Yeah. <laughs> He's also appeared in episodes of Lois and Clark, Just Shoot Me, Charmed, Gilmore Girls, NCIS, uh, CSI, and many other shows throughout the '90s and aughts. Wow, what a what a weird career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, you know, was was a rock star for a bit and then just did whatever he wanted, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be on Gilmore Girls. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> so we're also introduced to Robert Farrell, uh, a.k.a. Rocket Racer. He's never called Rocket Racer in this. It's just no. who the character is inspired by from the comics. Um, and he's voiced by Billy Atmore, sometimes credited as Pop Atmore, sometimes credited as William Pop Atmore. Um, and and I think a big part of why he's credited so many different ways uh, is because he's only on like a dozen credits, uh, but he started as like a child actor. Um, and and largely his big credit is that he was one of the Mouseketeers uh, in 1977's The New Mickey Mouse Club, uh, which was the Mickey Mouse Club that featured Lisa Welchel uh, from The Facts of Life. And I never thought I'd be able to get this credit in here legitimately, even though it's a second degree credit, Lisa Welchel from The Facts of Life and Survivor's 25th season, Survivor Philippines. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this show also was apparently his last acting credit. <laughs> Uh, I think he's probably appeared in stuff uh, either archivally or uh, as himself as a result of being one of the Musketeers in the 70s, um, but really didn't uh, like go on to pursue a big career in acting. So he was uh, he was a little older when he was voicing this like teenager then, right? Like if he was a Musketeer in the 70s, he probably was in his 30s by the time. Yeah, he would have been in his, his 30s, I believe. Gotcha. Gotcha. Which once I realized that I, I, it. I bought it. I was like, you yeah, can, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And you can, you can hear it. Like he doesn't, he, it definitely sounds like a guy putting on a teen voice, but he's still good. I think he yeah. ultimately he's, he's good. He's a good performer. Yeah. I mean, when I was, when I was watching, you know, the first through or whatever, it's not like it stood out to me like, Oh, this is a 40 year old guy playing a yeah. teenager. You know what I mean? Like nothing <laughs> tell was some, suspicious. You can tell sometimes. Uh, and it's not, but th- this isn't one of those cases. This is more yeah. like, they didn't get a they didn't get a young person, but but it's fine. Like he did fine. He's youthful <laughs> enough in his delivery, yeah. you know, yeah. that it wasn't yeah. conspicuous. Right. Uh, we also get Robert's mother, who I believe is just called Mrs. Farrell. I don't know if she ever gets a first name in this show. Um, <laughs> if she did, I missed it. And she's voiced by Thelma Hopkins, who's another musical artist slash actor, uh, which is a fun coincidence. She was a member of the group Tony Orlando and Dawn, 
which hosted its very own variety show on CBS for three years in the 70s. But wait, anyone our age most likely or hopefully knows Thelma Hopkins as Aunt Rachel from Family Matters. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and that, when did Family Matters come on? That would have been happening at the same time, right? Yeah. That was, that was like early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, I would cool. think so. Yeah. Um, and apparently, this is just because I thought this was interesting, apparently has a role in the Matrix Resurrections, but we don't know what it is yet. Oh, So it could be very small or it could be significant. Who knows? Huh. Wow. <laughs> but I'll keep my eye out for her. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. And then we're introduced to a character v- pretty briefly uh, named Jason Phillips, and he is voiced by Mark Hamill, uh, who's Luke Skywalker, <laughs> uh, and he provided the voice for Hobgoblin in this very show. Uh, we talked more about Mark Hamill, probably quite a bit about Mark Hamill, uh, way back in our episode six when we talked about those beloved Hobgoblin episodes. <laughs> 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 glad to see mark hamill gets to voice another character although mark hamill is the best part of the hobgoblin uh yeah he does a great job <laughs> yeah he's always good he makes yeah. he makes hobgoblin as fun as he can as fun as he can be yeah if it weren't for mark hamill i would i'd hate a hundred percent of the hobgoblin in the yeah. show as it stands i only hate about 51 percent <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks mark <laughs> yep thank you for your service mark <laughs> But yeah, so I, I, you know, most, like you said, most of those characters won't see again, but some fun credits in there uh, and some interesting, interesting connections. Yeah, totally. totally. So other than that, I guess we could just dive into what actually happens in this episode. And it's quite a bit because it's a very fast paced episode. (laughs) (laughs) So once again, our episode picks up moments after the last one ended, which is interesting. I wasn't necessarily expecting that to be the case. Yeah, me either. Um, and it makes me wonder how many of these episodes are going to do that. Um, and it makes me wonder how much time technically will then elapse over the course of this season if they keep doing that. <laughs> oh, good call. Yeah. I'm curious too. <laughs> no, granted, like there were, I believe, uh, the past few episodes, there's been at least a few weeks because I think there were some time jumps uh, yeah. in there, if I'm remembering correctly. But I was surprised that the events that kick off this episode basically happened that same exact night that last last week's episode end it was just i caught me off guard (laughs) yeah peter's got to be real tired because he Uh just like didn't he he, well i guess we don't know how much time elapsed between the uh the goblin layers drama and then like the end of that episode like it's not indicated so i feel like we have to he could have taken his time time. to meet felicia but i can't imagine a horny peter did that's a good point (laughs) yeah but yeah, no, that, that's that's a, a good thing to note. They they're they're ambiguous about time often. So yeah, um, and in this very episode, so mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll hear us say later quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, this this does pick up right where the last one ended. So it's right in the middle of Spider Man and Felicia's kiss. Uh, but as they begin to talk about how Spider-Man can't have a girlfriend and how Felicia does understand, uh, they're interrupted by the sound of a man in a giant spike-lined wheel. What up, Big Wheel? Yeah, it's uh, 
Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what what did you because did because you wouldn't i don't think they they didn't say it in the description or anything so we're, <laughs> we're what when you saw that was it's like oh this is big wheel like did you make that connection when you i saw mean it the moment i saw the big wheel i knew it was big wheel <laughs> i thought uh, so. and <laughs> i was like holy shit what are the fucking chances <laughs> right because <laughs> we did just talk about big wheel <laughs> and yeah. we weren't the ones who brought it up either so it's like it's a wild coincidence that someone would bring it up and then, then we would it would be like the next episode we talk about, unless they were just yeah. really on top of it and were like, "Oh, they're going to talk about Big Wheel soon." Yeah, I mean, I guess y- yeah, but even still, like this 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 episode's coming out a few weeks after we record it, so that's like, true. A bigger gap. It is more the coincidence of us yeah. recording it like really soon after we recorded that AMA. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Either way, yeah, it's Big Wheel, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it is abs- it's it's as absurd as it sounds. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, here's here's the thing. You think this episode is ugly. I think it's not ugly. Big Wheel's design is ugly. But I do think their execution of the Big Wheel is actually surprisingly impressive. I think a lot of the action is is fine. Uh, actually, yeah, I think a lot of the action is good, especially with Big Wheel itself. Uh, yeah. Really, I just, I think there's a lot of, like, off-model-y stuff, which mm. I'm normally not even, like, that big on off-model stuff, but, like, this show, when this show gets off-model, I just, it's really off-putting. And there's just a lot of that. Um, That's so I interesting. The, I must have been it, distracted by, like, I, I we are, like, totally opposite things must have caught our attention. Yeah, like every slow scene looks pretty horrendous. And there's like a bit where there's a bit where it cuts to Robert and like they just like just have left off like the top of his hair, so it looks like he's just like balding, which is you know fine, but that's not like that what is a wild thing for me not like. to notice. Yeah, that's and it's hilarious. like it's it's not like that quick either. Like there's a lot of stuff like that and a lot of like weird mistakes, and there's definitely some more more reused footage than there's been pretty much all season so far. Um, that I that I could pick out very quickly and easily. Um, so it's I I think it was definitely like the second tier like a second tier team that they had on this one. Um, but it definitely more was more with like, the character models and stuff like that. Um, more so I probably could, I guess they just put more effort into making big wheel move in cool ways. And I think that there's points when Robert is moving and it looks pretty cool. So. I was going to say, I feel like if anything, whether it's, whether it's a first tier or second tier, or whatever, like, I don't know if we necessarily can know that because I feel like the, it, I think it could just as easily be that they spent their sort of time resources on the action uh, and then didn't spend the same amount of resources on like the slow stuff. Cause I think like, yeah, like you pointed out, I think Robert often looks really, really great in action. Uh, I think big wheel looks really great in action. I think Spider-Man actually looks really good in action a lot of times in this. Uh, and I think the, the CGI environment is integrated better in this episode than we've ever seen it. Yeah. I would agree with the CGI too. Um, there's some good shots of Robert. I think a lot, some of the stuff you're, you're naming, like I can picture it in my head and it's like, yeah, cause they cut it out from another episode and put those sequences in, uh, at least with Spider-Man. But, but yeah, I, it's not, it's not the worst one that we've ever seen. I mean, I'm but. thinking of like big wheel specific sequences with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I just think it, we were looking at different, well, not looking at different things. I think we honed in on different things. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I think a lot of it looked really good. <laughs> I disagree, but that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that I, that I uh, 
I don't know if I say I like it because it's it's so like old school kind of thing now. But I do think it's uh, I do think it's kind of fun that like Felicia is played like a lot of a lot of Felicia's lines and stuff are sort of in the same way as when it's a girlfriend who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man, like where it's just sort of like, oh, duty calls. I know you've got to go. Oh, I understand. Superheroes can't have girlfriends kind of thing. And it's funny that, like, she doesn't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It's just because she is specifically attracted to Spider-Man, that alter ego, <laughs> completely, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that's kind of fun because it, it is – it does make her distinct from Mary Jane in the realm of these two love interests that uh, that Peter has in this show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So using his big wheel um, and a crew uh, and a bunch of missiles <laughs> and jetpacks, uh, Big Wheel pulls off the most conspicuous and most destructive series of bank heists pretty much ever. Uh, and so naturally, Spidey notices and arrives at their second heist just in time to see Big Wheel crush a number of police cruisers and in time for Spider-Man to snag one of the escaping jetpacked henchmen by the foot. Um, The others do react very quickly to Spider-Man's intervention. They fire a bunch of missiles at him. uh, And Big Wheel, of course, attempts to run him over. Uh, Big Wheel will attempt to crush many humans in this episode. And luckily will never succeed because that is horrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, Having overwhelmed Spider-Man, though, Big Wheel and the Jetpack gang do manage to escape. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, uh, a lot of luck that the streets of New York happen to be pretty empty (laughs) in this episode. Empty of, like, people (laughs) in this episode. No one's ever crossing the street. What uh, when Big Wheel's coming, which is which is which is nice. That would yeah. be hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, elsewhere, a teenager named Robert uh, picks up some medicine for his mother at a twenty-four hour pharmacy. Uh, the man behind the counter gives Robert a discount, clearly because he recognizes uh, that Robert and his mother are in some sort of financial uh, situation uh, that <laughs> that makes it difficult to keep up with medicine in the United States. Imagine that. Mm. Um, but, uh, but ultimately the point is that this, this, this pharmacy guy clearly knows Robert and his family. Uh, and after Robert leaves the store remarks to a coworker or somebody who's also working at the store, uh, that Robert used to be a troublemaker, but he's turned himself around, um, in the past, however long, like he's made a, a quick turn, I guess, to, to, being a good kid we learn why shortly uh, after yeah. this but uh gives us a lot of character stuff right off the bat for this kid named robert yeah it's very important for uh, for what is to come as he skateboards home from the pharmacy he sees spider-man chasing after big wheel and decides to follow like why not i mean it looks cool so why not uh looking on from a distance robert watches spider-man web up from one of the jetpack gangs who has uh, very distinct arm tattoos that will come in later uh, but when the jetpack guy breaks loose drops a bunch of cash and bolts robert instinctively rushes to grab what was left behind because like he could use the money there's a whole lot of money on the ground right now right and that's just of course as the police arrive and just assume that he was one of the robbers Mm-hmm. yep yep Blocks away, Spider-Man runs out of web fluid and is forced to let uh, Big Wheel and company go, which is a very quick little scene, but important. <laughs> I kind of love it because at first it's like, uh, it's like, oh God, of course he runs out of web fluid right now. Like it's annoying, but then he comments on it. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Like now? And then they get away and he's like, 
I literally got nothing done tonight. This whole mm-hmm. endeavor was pointless. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, at least you acknowledge it too, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's 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 uh it's one of those things that like we we mentioned this like such a big part of this show. Like one of the things I feel like people probably remember about the show versus like other properties is how much he runs out of his web fluid and how much of an important resource it is. Um and then for this episode specifically, like Spider-Man is like not the primary character in this episode so like yeah. uh, it's funny that that that's part of how they sort of like uh make that work right is like oh he doesn't really get that much done here but we still need to see him we still need some action uh how can we how can we swerve away from it a little bit yeah it allows there to be enough open-ended threads that we've been introduced to the let the rest of the episode happen basically right right because <laughs> things need to intersect so he can't succeed this early but we still need to like be introduced to all these characters early yeah yeah speaking of things intersecting uh later that night felicia hardy escorts robert's mother to the police station to take robert home and of course if you're like what does felicia hardy have to do with this family (laughs) uh she explains that robert is one of the hardy foundation's bright science students so that's how that's how this connection is uh that's how felicia knows robert's family and robert and everything um and she's like i know him personally there must be a mistake robert's robert seems like a great kid he's a star student And that's when Robert's mother shares Robert's history of getting into trouble. Uh, Felicia tells Robert's mother to not get too worked, of course, because that could affect her health. (laughs) Which uh, we're very familiar with here uh, on this Spider-Man podcast of ours. She she has Aunt May disease. Yes, and that's really all we can call it because, spoiler alert, we will never actually learn what is ailing (laughs) uh, Robert's mother, uh, even when it comes to a head. (laughs) Yeah. So Aunt May's disease, <laughs> as good as anything else. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so inside the police station, Robert's mother explains that Felicia paid for Robert's bail, uh, which, damn. Uh, for, <laughs> yeah. I mean, good good for Felicia. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting because this, this is a dimension to Felicia that we've never seen because I feel like we've only ever seen her in settings as like, rich girl and college Mm -hmm. students and like that's really it so like the fact that she's doing like sort of um outreach essentially like you know like i mean it's still through her her family's you know company or foundation or whatever it is um but you know like her family does run a foundation so like it is kind of cool to see that felicia does take an active role in whatever charity or philanthropy work that that they're Mm -hmm. doing and like actually there with students enough to get to know them which is cool yeah. <laughs> uh i wonder if she's gonna get like a college credit for it too because especially given what peter is doing with them later I mean, on. hopefully uh yeah that's that's probably a big yeah. part of it too but oh it's cool felicia's uh she's you know that she's she's not just vapid rich socialite which is uh which is always nice to see yeah if you're gonna be rich as fuck at least do this yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and pay bail for, for like uh-huh. teenagers that you care about. Right. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Maybe Felicia's one of the good billionaires for once, if they well, can if they can exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a whole separate podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh well frustrated at being treated like a criminal without any opportunity to explain the circumstances, Robert openly threatens to become what the police and others believe him to be a criminal. Uh, and he yeah. says that this might be a way to sort of quote, show them. And unsurprisingly, his mother tells him, no, don't say that. Don't even think that. 
uh, no son of mine is going to become a criminal is what she says. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I mean, I like that it's, it's so, I mean, it's, it's calling out directly that, you know, the, the sort of no way out that I think a lot of people in that sort of position feel where it's like, I try really hard and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to be, I'm still going to be seen like a thug no matter what I do. And like, that's really incredibly unfair. Yeah. And it's Um, the first of two times that they very sort of specifically have Robert explain this frustration and his rationale for why he's toying with uh, being a quote, bad guy in a superhero cartoon. Right. Like, uh, like it's, you know, in, in a lot of these properties, like you're supposed to be like, no, don't, don't go down the path of bad, right? Like the good guys and the bad guys. But because this episode is so specific about Robert's situation, they on two occasions, very specifically from his perspective, explain why he might be doing this and why it's different than any other given random, you know, villain or bad guy. Yeah. And I think it's very, uh, I think it's also very important to note that like anything quote unquote criminal that he's doing is literally just like stealing jewelry or money like it's not you know like it's not like he's he's not trying to join a a, a crime lord organization like, uh, he's not trying to join like a wide-reaching criminal organization or work for kingpin or like kill people or whatever like it's it's like all literally is at the end of the day he just wants to get money to pay for his mother to live you know right um and i i think that that's that's an important I think that's an important distinction from most other supervillains that this show has. Yeah, absolutely. So the next day, Peter arrives to work at the Hardy Foundation. This is what you were referencing. Uh, to work at the Hardy Foundation as an unpaid tutor. <laughs> Better be getting a college credit uh, for that dude. Or is Better he, be getting a college credit. <laughs> I mean, honestly, get your college credit and get paid, in my opinion. Yeah, um, that too, yeah. <laughs> but he even calls himself a science teacher. So it's not even like he's just... Like he's not like a volunteer tutor in the library, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he's for involvement, the entire class. <laughs> right? He's teaching an entire class. It sounds like so. Yeah. Oh, Peter. Um, that is like a weird mark on this episode. Not it's it's not like a big deal. Like a nitpick, I guess, on this episode is that like for a show that's been pretty good about setting up stuff and and with their serialization and everything, and for an episode that like picks right off after the last episode, there has been zero mention yep. of Peter doing this, and he shows up like he's been doing it for a while, for doing something that clearly is very time consuming, and he knows these students on like a personal basis. I really I wish that if, if they hadn't had time to set it up ahead of the ahead of time, I feel like they should have made this be like his first day. Because uh, otherwise, it really just stands out as being like, what? Yeah. Really? And I have to wonder if he's ever going to be in a setting ever again either. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this was one thing. One thing I, you know, walked away from this episode feeling was like, this feels like an episode of a different show. Um, yeah, and this yeah. is one of the reasons why. I mean, among among some of the like animation and editing things they do that they've never really done before, um, the, the, the bunch of new characters... Um, the way that they a lot of the character designs in this episode are like strangely uh, like 
like uh well i don't know like the they design characters more than they typically design characters that you aren't supposed to pay attention to or will never see again yeah. uh, i don't know why i can't think of a simpler way to say that because uh, <laughs> i guess because i'm hesitant to say better character designs because i don't like the character designs for anybody in the show um but they're more <laughs> notable i think than usual for like just a random henchman or uh, a bunch of people you'll never see again. Anyway, uh, yeah. that. And then the fact that this comes out of nowhere, yeah. it really does feel like we either skipped a bunch of episodes or this is just a different, like a, like from a different show that's just related to the one we've been watching. It's really it's, weird. <laughs> it feels like it's a backdoor pilot for a rocket racer show. It kind of does. And I had that thought actually. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this was ever something that was in the back of somebody's mind. I mean, it's it's no surprise that it, doesn't turn out to be that or doesn't produce anything like that um but it does feel like that it feels like that's what this should have resulted in yeah like that's that's uh that's why i wish there had been something on the record from semper or someone on staff about it like if that was ever something they were thinking about i i don't think it had a chance in a million years of happening right uh, uh, but i think it would have been cool if they tried to do that especially if 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 the thought process is like Hey, let's get a uh, let's let's use Spider-Man as a platform to get like a black Marvel superhero to have headline his own show. Maybe this will work out, you know, um, mm-hmm. like I have to wonder if that was at least like the inkling of an idea that became this episode, even if that ultimately wasn't what they were going for by the time it came out, you know. Right. And, and, and I didn't deep I didn't dive very deeply into Rocket Racer, the character. I don't know how much you know about him or his comic stuff. Um, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know anything. Um, I do think it's cool that they, in an episode where they have big wheel or an episode where they have rocket racer, they have both of them. Cause I guess that's, they're like, in, they are like linked with each other in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but like rocket racer, I guess was introduced as a villain. Maybe is that, yeah, does that sound that's, right? That's the vibe so that like, I get. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was never like a straight up villain or whatever, but I think it was a kind of an anti-villain thing and, becomes more of a a good guy over time i think and and this episode i think leans very heavily into we're from the very beginning to the very end supposed to be rooting for robert which feels like a very significant choice especially if they you know if if any person at any point was like well they're probably not gonna roll with this or run with this but like what if we just gave it a whirl (laughs) you know yeah yeah definitely definitely feels like an origin story it, it and it definitely gives this episode such a um, such a different flavor from the rest. That is like that's another thing that I guess I can sort of see why some people had like such an adverse reaction to it, regardless of the content. Is that mm-hmm. like you said, it does feel like an episode of a different show. Um, I think because of that sort of backdoor piloty sort of feel of it. And I think I could see that being off putting, you know, especially on first viewing if you're going through it again, coming off of like the very good. But also like a very this show Green Goblin episode, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it is interesting. I love how distinct it feels personally. Me I too. It's almost kind of refreshing. I was just thinking like it's so interesting to me, and like I I get it. I think you and I might just be in the minority, but like it's so funny to me that like the fact that it's so different would be off putting. Whereas like my first reaction is like, ooh, oh, yeah. we're getting something very different here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. Like you know, it's. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it serves the show in most 
cases serves a very specific purpose. And if you're rewatching it, it serves a whole different purpose. Right. So like yeah. anything that's not going to specifically hit that particular part of your brain, uh, I could see being off putting. Yeah. Well, and even I was thinking about it too, like even beyond green goblin, like the whole first half of the season has been like, here's Dr. Strange. Now we're introducing Madam web and a greater story arc. Here's like Osborne and Mary Jane stuff. And then you have this episode that just doesn't feel like it's a piece of anything, you know, it feels so mm-hmm. separate from, from the first four episodes. Uh, so yeah, everything about it, it almost is sort of like set up to be a divisive episode, even though it's not doing like, something super radical outside of just telling a different kind of story, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Well, the other thing that happens. So uh, when, when, when Peter arrives to, as this, in this uh, unpaid tutor position, um, he, uh, he checks in on Robert's project, which is a gyroscoper featuring breakthrough gyroscopic stabilization technology, which is cool. It is cool. It's basically like uh it looks like um, sort of one of those like wire frame toys that you might put like beads and stuff on, but instead it's like it looks like that, but it's like a roller coaster track that yeah. like a gyroscopic top is on. And the the idea from what we see, and I love this because they don't really like over explain it. Yeah, <laughs> when they, they very easily could have. The idea <laughs> is that he he put this little gyroscopic top on it, and it will go around the course and do loops and spins and stuff, but it will not fall off. Um, which, you know, plays well into uh, both what we will see Robert develop further, but then also what we've seen from Big Wheel. Because Big Wheel is this big, ridiculous vehicle that does not make any sort of sense. Um, And they do sort of flag that up later about, like, how is it even doing what it's doing? Um, This plays into it, and it's a nice little subtle nod um, to the technology that's so integral to this particular episode. Yeah, it's nice that it's like not like techno babbly science stuff. Like it's just enough science that sort like is just ground enough in reality and has just enough words that you can sort of recognize to buy it, and and it fits well into the theme of the two characters intru- introducing. Like it's actually for a show that does a lot of techno babbly neogenic yeah. recombinator type language a lot of the time. It's actually pretty elegantly done. Yeah. Well, like <laughs> even if you're a kid or just any person who doesn't necessarily know what a gyroscope is, because I don't know if everybody had one of those. Like, no. y- you yeah. if you see that that roller coaster toy and you see that it's going straight up and not falling over, and then later in the episode you see robert going up the side of the building and you're like oh he made both of these things that makes sense you know right like it's just a smart little prop to include uh to sort of like draw thread very cool yeah it's good stuff very good stuff (laughs) slightly less good stuff personally is when felicia arrives and uh peter just is asked her on a date (laughs) because that's what he does Mm -hmm. which is you know it is sort of weird to me that he like I know that his perspective is that she wants to date Spider-Man. Spider-Man can't have a girlfriend, but maybe Peter can have a girlfriend. But Peter, you're Spider-Man, bro. Like, yeah. that's so weird. Like, you're, it does feel really weird and selfish for you to then ask her on a date as yourself when you yourself are Spider-Man. Like, yeah. what's even worse is that she turns him down because they've been on dates before and they didn't work out and she wasn't that into him. That's fine. Clearly, it's, uh, you know, she they they have a good friendship happening right now, at least from her perspective. Um, she mentions that she's seeing someone else, which Peter recognizes is, is Spider-Man. Uh, and then he's like, well, I'm competing with myself. 
bro, you're not competing with anyone because she doesn't like you. Even if she likes Spider-Man, she makes it very clear that you are her friend. You have tried this out. It didn't work out. Get the fuck over it, dude. And mm-hmm. he's like mad at being friend zone, basically. And it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, ugly moment. Yep. <laughs> really, any time relationship Peter stuff comes up with uh, this has come up in this season, especially. It's all been bad. Yeah. It's actually like kind of astounding at how consistently gross he is during the show. But it's uh-huh. like. It's, but it's also funny because, like, even when we talked to one of the writers of the show, he had the same reaction of, like, oh, God. Like, so it's it's just so interesting to, like, look back on it and, and realize, like, a whole entire group of people just thought, like, no, this makes sense. Yeah. This isn't gross. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, we yeah. were there, weren't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, like, it's it's frustrating because they're trying to do the, like, triangle built for two thing that, like, Superman does. And, I mean, that's been toxic before, too. But, like, when that angle is done in a really nice, fun way, it can be really fun, you know? Like, sure. That, that sort of weirdness of, like, oh, man, she doesn't even notice, notice me, but she is in love with, like, this alter ego that I have. Is she ever going to see the real me? But, like, the problem with this is that Peter has tried to date as peter before she definitely noticed him (laughs) even if they hadn't honestly like even if they hadn't the fact that she specifically is like well no we're good friends though and like that's that's it dude like it's just it's it's not uh, a competition at that point like that's right because it's it's not happening because it's 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 that specific detail even if they had no history whatsoever right like it's not like she said you know, I, I, you know, I think I might have feelings too, but I'm seeing someone else. That would be different. She's literally telling you in this moment, like, nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not a thing. Yeah. Not interested. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I still think the best, the best point is what you made at the very top, which is if you can't have a, a girlfriend as Spider-Man, you, there's no reason you can have a girlfriend as Peter. Yeah. The, the danger is exactly the same. <laughs> In fact, it's probably more dangerous as Peter. Yeah, TB it's more quite dangerous. H. <laughs> and and I mean, like Felicia made it clear that she understood the whole like Spider Man, you know, having to leave and stuff like yeah. that as Spider Man. Because if you're dating gonna... Spider Man, you know you're dating a superhero. <laughs> yeah, she's not going to understand why Peter just dips out on her yeah. as Peter. And that all I mean, ultimately, it's like okay, so if you are have no interest in ever, you know, showing that other half of yourself, even to someone who is explicitly in love with that other half of yourself, I guess you, or at least infatuated, I should say, with that other half of yourself, then, like, you aren't really interested in ever giving, you can't be that interested in giving, like, your full self to that person, which means that all you want to do is just, like, fuck, I guess, which is fine, but, like, she's clearly not interested in that, so... Mm Don't act like you're so scorned, you know, like just move on, man. Yeah. Well, Peter then switches the topic uh, to Robert, who, you know, he's been looking at Robert's project uh, and asks Felicia, like, where is Robert? I don't see him here. He's normally here. Um, And Felicia begins to explain that something happened the previous night and that she'll fill him in later because they are in the middle of the classroom. Uh, But she can't really go much further down that road because their conversation is interrupted by a guy named Jason Phillips. 
Uh, Felicia explains that Phillips is a potential donor to the Hardy Foundation, uh, a potential very large donor. Um, and Phillips asks her on a date, which is a really shitty thing to do, Jason Phillips, uh, <laughs> knowing that you are potentially donating a fuck ton of money uh, and then putting this this woman in a position of, and will you go on a date with me? Like, ew, gross. Uh, but she does accept, probably because she's like, whatever, who gives a shit? <laughs> Give me that money, Jason Phillips. <laughs> of course, yeah. Peter hates it. <laughs> of course, Peter hates him. He's a guy who's dating someone that Peter has like a fleeting interest in. Yeah. You know, that's how it always goes with him. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Get away from this garbage mess. These uh, men. <laughs> These <terrible>. men. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, back at his, uh, at his mother's grocery store, Robert helps stock while he and his mother kind of argue over whether he should stay in the Hardy Foundation science program or dedicate his time to helping her at work. Obviously, she's like, no, do the science thing. Your education's important. He's like, no, you're sick. You obviously need help uh, at work. I'm sure that's part of their money issues, mm-hmm. wanting to make more and everything in their stores. Like so, that's 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 where their uh, their conflict is coming from. Um, but they're interrupted before they can kind of settle anything because a number of gangsters, including that guy earlier with the arm tattoos, arrives to rough up rough up the store and threaten Robert's mother into paying them for protection. One of them very, uh, very like explicitly just like kicks a crate full of cabbages. Mm-hmm. Cabbages roll all roll all over the floor. I don't know why it stuck out to me. It was just lots of cabbages <laughs> everywhere. Because Avatar: The Last Airbender uh, paid homage to this moment, obviously. Oh, uh, that's when they that's why. knocked over a cart of cabbages. It's clearly a reference to this very show. <laughs> Yeah. Also, one of the one of the dudes in this gang with like the sunglasses and the bandana on his head, he's one of like the punk dudes from way back in the alien costume <laughs> uh, gang when we were like, wow, those dudes look so weird. I think he might actually I might be misremembering, but I think he might actually be like the shocker design, like from before shocker became shocker. Oh, that's like, so funny. I think funny. he was the dude that was introduced to the Shocker costume. I could be misremembering, but at the very least, he's part of that same gang because he was in like a face of the episode from way back then. So this is the Stegosaurus hair guy of this show, potentially. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Which if you've never listened to us talk about 2017 show, you will not understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but either way. Regardless of how they look, they're bad. And uh, they say if Robert's mother doesn't agree to paying them for protection, they're going to literally burn down her store. So mm-hmm. they're not playing around, unfortunately. They're fucked up. They're like, We're, we'll host a bonfire and use your store as the fuel. It's yeah, like, good Jesus. Lord. Go write a Psychos. poem or something. Ugh. Right? Please. <laughs> Men will literally burn down an entire store instead of going to therapy. Yep. Well, shortly after... Speaking of men who need therapy, (laughs) uh, (laughs) all of us, to be honest. But uh, in this case, Peter (laughs) visits the store uh, to check in on Robert and offer him help, basically saying, hey, if you need help with your project or, or, you know, getting back to the science stuff, like, I can help you with whatever you need. And Robert rejects him and says uh, he's not going to continue at the Hardy program. He's made up his mind after this this uh this gang sort of like trashed the store and he explains that people like him and he specifically says brothers like me 
don't have time for science because they have to focus on simply surviving. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I should have said three times because this is another time where he specifically sort of mentions uh, this. It's just it's a a lot quicker, I think, than the other two times where he specifically explains uh, his motivation. But I think this is something where uh, I'm – I was really surprised pleasantly um, that this is in this show. Like it's, it's in one sense, it's like not surprising because we know that John Semper is the one who's guide, like driving this, this ship. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like you mentioned, the vast majority of people on this show working on the show are also white um, and the presumed audience uh, or who they're probably marketing to without realizing they're marketing it to, uh, or maybe intentionally marketing to are probably mostly white. Um, yeah. So for him to include this line about brothers like me don't have time for these things because we simply need to survive feels really, really incredible in this show and carries a lot of weight. Um and it, uh, it's just very cool that it's in this episode. I agree. I, yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised by it because it's really it's so pointed too, and and so I mean it it kind of distills the whole problem, right? Where it's like this no win situation. Yeah. Where where like the 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 system has oppressed you to the point that even if you are trying hard and you do have all the talent and the skills in the world that you're told you're supposed to, you still can't get out of it because you're because you're stuck in the situation where you don't have you don't have time to 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 follow any other path other than just trying to survive which means working at your mom's the working at the store owned by owned by your sick mother who yeah. can't afford her medication yeah yeah i mean it's it's honestly it's so much closer than i ever would have expected them even in this particular episode to say like black folks like me <laughs> like black folks in my situation right like I wouldn't have expected them to get anywhere close, but he gets about as close as they probably would have ever let the show do. Uh, and that's yeah. really cool. I think it's yeah. also really important that they put this in the context of his mother's store and that this particular conversation happens right after his mother's store is attacked. Um, mm-hmm. And then she, you know, obviously is distressed and has to leave and and the, she, he's worried for her health. Um, because somebody like Robert in this situation is also going, is weighing out like not just am I here to help, but who am I leaving behind and how does that look? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really, I I used to work on college campuses and I was really, really like blessed to be able to uh, like sit in on a conversation that was hosted by a number of my uh, resident assistants, my student staff um, that was specifically about like black college students experiences. And the number of those students that talked about what it, what the decision to go to college outside of specifically where they lived and what that meant and and weighing out whether or not they were like leaving behind or like abandoning their families and their businesses um, and their communities and stuff like that. Um, like I'm seeing though that conversation in this particular episode um, and it's very cool that it may, like I said, it's so cool that it makes it into this episode um and it's very real world like robert is like this this conversation robert is having with spider-man is a conversation i've heard students have with each other and with staff and with uh you know all kinds of folks in a real world situation it's it's yeah it's a really really uh like uh i mean as as much as i can understand right uh is a really like accurate like true to real life story that they're giving Robert. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's all, it's all heightened because there's superheroes and supervillains and stuff like that. But like, 
honestly, like most of the most of the bits and pieces in that one scene is that's that's certainly grounded in reality, right? Yeah, because um, it's and Peter it, and, and Robert, right? It's not Spider Man in this moment. It's literally just, are you going back to school? <laughs> yeah, right. And like, it, in 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 the scene before it, like he's essentially in that moment proven proven right in in his way of thinking to him because if he's considering not being around his mother so he can like uh you know pursue his education and potentially go away to school or something if he wasn't there in the store in that moment when that like gang showed up like to him it could have gone so much worse so Mm -hmm. it's sort of like well yeah obviously this is evidence that i have to be here i can't do what I want. Uh, and, and, you know, like I have to, I have to stay here. Like I'm being forced to, I don't have any other choice. Right. Yep. Yep. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, Lillian and Douglas. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film, from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, later as Spider-Man swings through the city, he contemplates how he can convince Robert that science and education would contribute to the survival that Robert is talking about, not distract from it. It is interesting to me that, like, I I, uh, I don't know how they would have necessarily done this better, but, like, I, uh, I don't know. Peter seems very singularly focused on, like, like, what he thinks the solution is for Robert. And I understand where he's coming from, but I don't know that that Peter or Spider-Man take very much time in this episode. And honestly, where would the time even be? This episode is going a mile a minute. But if you're trying to learn something from this episode, I think it's worth pointing out. It doesn't necessarily feel like Peter's trying to understand where Robert is coming from or what Uh, his situation is. Peter just simply says, this kid should be in school because he's smart. How can I get him into school because he's smart? Uh, yeah. and I think if, if we are to be in the shoes of Peter, uh, we should be taking more time to understand where Robert's coming from, <laughs> which isn't to say you don't still work with Robert, um, to, you know, to, to recognize what you're seeing that he might not be able to see in the moment. Uh, but it doesn't feel like Peter is working with Robert so much as, uh, trying to, uh, push Robert in a particular direction. Right. I think that that's one of the weaker aspects of the episode is honestly Spider-Man's kind of, and Peter's sort of role in it in that, in in that they don't really learn anything from it or or something like that. Their perspective is 
so the 90s like don't do drugs stay in school kind yes of mentality. oh that's like, such a great comparison <laughs> where it's just like that literally that's so meaningless what the fuck yeah, does just that say mean? no <laughs> right just don't do the thing just yeah. don't talk to those people like oh yeah. okay sure it's like, st- go to school and everything will be fine and it's like there's a little more to everything yeah. in the world than just that just like, don't join a gang <laughs> oh okay <laughs> sure yeah. like peter the, the situation that robert is in is a slight a little more there's literally a gang a little more complicated than what you're thinking peter yeah, there's, there's a little more to it than that. It's okay. <laughs> and they do they do allow Robert to speak on that a little bit later. Again, Peter doesn't learn anything from it because I do think they might have had to balance how Peter and Spider-Man look in this episode, unfortunately. but I think so, too. At least yeah. they do give Robert multiple times to speak on his experience, which is really, really good. Yeah, he's Peter's in the in the mentor position, even though he kind of shouldn't be. Shouldn't be episode. at all. <laughs> Felicia would be a better mentor to this kid. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. Really. Although she has her moment too, right? Where like when she's, it's, it's, I don't think it's as bad as how Peter looks because it's also like much shorter. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think uh, at at the police station when Felicia's like, oh, I'm sure they just made a mistake as if it's as simple as being like, oh, the police made a mistake. Everything will be fine. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very... um, I mean, like, it makes sense from the life that she's lived. Oh, totally. Like, it's a really ignorant sort of position to have. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like, well, me, as a rich white lady, if I yeah. was in your position, I would just tell them they made a mistake and they'd let me go and everything would be fine. Right. Yeah, I, there's there's, there's so much goodness in this episode uh, that I think people would just see so differently now after so many of us have been forced uh, to, to, you know, open our damn eyes to see these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well later later robert runs into the man with the arm tattoos again he's never given a name is he that's annoying i don't like, think so there's actually a number of characters who would have benefited from just having a name in this episode yeah yeah um yeah arm tattoo man uh he runs in robert runs into him while he's skateboarding um and he opts to follow him to a secret warehouse hideout since he recognizes him so inside robert watches as the man in the big wheel lays out their next hit, which is going to be the Diamond District. It shares a bit of his backstory. Apparently, this big wheel guy, he used to be an aeronautical engineer, but then he gave up government work to use the tech he was de- developing to serve him as a master thief uh, because it's a much more lucrative line of work. Super interesting. Wow. What a deep uh, character. Cool. It's it's not interesting uh, from his perspective, but it does play well into the episode. So I do appreciate it. Does. It. it does. It does. <laughs> Can I say, though, it took me until he was talking about his backstory for me to even fucking realize who that guy was. I was like, Oh, that's big wheel because I don't think we ever saw. He looks completely. He was wearing a a fucking Tron suit inside the, the big wheel. And then he's out here with like sunglasses and a suit and like curly hair or something. I'm like, who is this man? Yeah. (laughs) I guess like, I, I don't know if this was intentional, but I do think that there's some fun, like, in an episode about that's like very much sort of about the black experience that the villain is like just the most generic white guy that like doesn't matter that is like you can't even identify who it is well like, i, I think mean there's kind of hilarious yes I do but think- it also works really really well right because yeah. what robert's gonna take away from what he overhears like robert's going to try to hear what this this white guy who just walked away from science and then was able to pull off he's gonna try to take what that guy does and apply it to his own life and instantaneously is not treated the same way. Yeah. Instantaneously, his experience is different. 
So the fact that he's a, a generic white guy maybe wasn't as intentional as it ends up working out to be, uh, but it actually works out really well for the yeah, story well, they're the, telling. <laughs> in the fact that Big Wheel did have a choice, like he was able to pursue what he wanted to, he was just like bored with it or whatever and yeah. wanted to make more money. He was bored with and, it and then just decided I'm going to be a thief and everything's going great. <laughs> yeah, like the fact that he had all of those options open to him. Yep. He, he like it, it whereas Robert as a teenager with so much potential has already been kind of cut off at the knees. Like that's it, it speaks to how unfair it all is. Like mm-hmm. that's really kind of brilliant actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a really Guys, this is a, I I it has so many of the problems that this series has, but I still would say this is a really good episode. I don't, I don't I think care. So I think it's a really too. good episode <laughs> because yeah. anything that I would take away from it, I could it is not unique to this episode. I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely. There's a lot of poetry in this episode. I think that that does not exist in most episodes. I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. the vast majority of episodes. Unless I am to be corrected in seasons four and five. The most poetic Mm. seasons ever, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. (laughs) 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 Yeah, well, before heading out, uh, Robert sneaks back into the back room and steals some of Big Wheel's technology, but doesn't notice he's being caught on camera doing so. Dun, dun, dun. Well, back at the Hardy Foundation and later in his bedroom, Robert works to modify the technology that he stole and integrate it into his skateboarding gear. Uh, As he does so, he talks to himself about how if everybody wants him to get back into science, sure, he'll do that. But this time it'll pay. While he works, his mother stops in his room and praises him for working on his projects and not going back out onto the streets. Uh, which obviously we know he's going to do, so it's especially heartbreaking. <laughs> like, oh, Robert's mom. <laughs> yep, I do think it's kind of funny that, like, it, it all makes sense and everything, but it is kind of funny that, like, she walks in on him just, like, sewing a costume, and it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, that's your science project. And it's like, did his gyroscopic roller coaster thing ever require cloth being sewed uh, okay <laughs> yeah i mean i don't the, the costume i guess like it, it's worth it's asking just, questions about but he's also modifying his skateboard and his helmet yeah. and all sorts of stuff I, mean, I don't have a problem with it i just think it's like kind of <laughs> cute and funny that like that's that's the action that he happens to yeah. be. they could have showed him tinkering or whatever but like the action that he's taking is sewing up yeah. a costume which is like literally the least related to his project and that's what his mother like yeah like the on, least technological know? thing yeah <laughs> it feels it feels very you know, we already compared her to Aunt May once, but it feels very much like Aunt May walking in on Peter working on something and just being like, that must be science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever. You're a science kid, so whatever you're doing must be really science. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, later in the evening, Robert tests out his new technology, uh, which, by the way, is basically – so we, we, we sort of alluded to it, but he's modified this skateboard to be a hoverboard. Um, that also has the ability to basically just like stay upright, not topple. And like it has a magnetization that allows him to sort of, I think as he describes it, like ride up the walls of buildings by finding where their supports are, which are likely to be metal and just like ride up the side of where the metal support would be. It's kind of a cool explanation 
even though it's like as nonsense as anything else. <laughs> sure. Um, I just the fact that they even thought about that to be like, oh well, it's magnets and it's gyroscopes. It's not just magic. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's, um, but that's basically what it is. And then he integrated some like weapons and stuff into his his gear too, which you know kind of forecasts how things might go. But yeah. he's testing out his new technology, and he does this by breaking into a jewelry shop. Uh, but before he leaves with any of the loot, uh, he remembers the interaction he had with his mother at the police station, where she says, "Don't don't say that. Don't think that. No son of mine is going to become a criminal." Um, and realizing the mistake he's making, he attempts to flee using this now hoverboard, uh, but similar to the interaction earlier with the police, uh, ends up being caught with jewelry in his hand um, and ends up in a, a, a televised police chase. <laughs> yeah. So ramped up a little bit. Where were the police when there was a giant wheel running through the city? <laughs> Getting their fucking cruisers crushed. <laughs> Oh, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, and where the heli- also where are the police it, helicopters and would like televise and where were the news copters televising the giant wheel riding through New York City? <laughs> I mean, tell me it's not like perfect commentary incidentally uh-huh. or intentionally. The fact that yeah. like this one black kid uh, who's like not even an adult, who's like a and, science nerd tinkering with stuff, trying to steal to keep his mother's store alive, and he hasn't even stolen anything. Technically, <laughs> he's stolen broke, anything he's yet. Just, he broke and entered, yeah. which is right. A the crime, worst thing he's done at this deal. point is breaking and entering. Which, yeah, you're right. It is a crime. Like he's not without fault here, but like the circumstances under which are just so wildly different than the guy yeah. that he's stealing technology and strategy from. Yeah. (laughs) And that guy, like you said, was like barely met with opposition and destroyed half the city. And again, yeah, he's just a kid on a on a rocket skateboard versus a giant fucking spiked wheel that crushes everything in its path. Yeah. There's actually quite a bit more here, uh, even than I think you and I recognized. And I think we recognized a lot of it. (laughs) There's a generic white man destroying the city and leaving absolute destruction in his wake and everyone's sort of like oh man i mean i guess yeah that's gonna happen isn't it (laughs) and this one black kid tries to steal a necklace and it's the end of the fucking world yeah jesus christ that's so true (laughs) god damn Uh, yep wow it's good it's good episode Uh, (laughs) maybe maybe that's where part of my like blinders for for the mistakes came from because i was just like this is the greatest (laughs) yeah this is better than i was thinking that it was now that we're sort of talking through it um it's really good again i don't know how much of that the sort of like poetry was was uh was intentional but either way like it comes through i think i think you know yeah well i think it's one of those i think it's one of those situations um and I don't know I don't I don't have a, a great analogy for it, so I guess it's just it just is what it is. I think sometimes when you're creating something and you sort of have like the first few pieces, um, they're like and they're strong enough, then everything else sort of like fits into that framework and structure, whether you specifically meant for it to fit into that framework or structure, right? Like you knew that you needed Robert in this particular situation. You knew you knew you knew you needed Big Wheel to be doing these particular things. Um and then I think all of their interactions just then fall into that framework or all the things they do in relation to each other just fall into that framework. Did they specifically try to like create a metaphor of man destroying city and everybody being like, whatever, I don't know, probably not, but it works because they set up the framework. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yep. Uh, well, since, <laughs> since Robert is being televised all over the city, uh, 
of course, Spider-Man sees the TV report of the attempted burglary and decides to join the chase uh, and pursue Robert. I think he like at first thinks that he, that Robert must be part of like Big Wheel's gang because he has some of the same rocket technology. So uh, he's definitely feeling feeling like kind of a personal attachment to him since he let them go the first time. So he pursues Robert to the Hotel Excelsior construction site, which is a fun reference. Hey. And uh, when Robert kind of lands upside down on the other side of an elevator car, he Ugh. realizes that his magnetic boots are stuck. Um, oh. <laughs> and this is course, horrifying. Of course, the elevator is like, now I'm going to go speeding down. <laughs> um, and, and Robert's like, oh, my God, uh, there's a malfunction. I'm stuck on the bottom of the speeding elevator car that's at the top of the skyscraper that's going to crash and squash me. This is horrible. Um he calls to Spider-Man for help. Spider-Man tries to stop the elevator car. He's not able to at first, like with his, you know, with his feet trying to push it up or whatever. But then he realized, oh, there probably is a stop button in the elevator. So he yeah. just presses the stop button. I love that his line before that is just like, there's only one chance. And then it's the stop. <laughs> this is like, this is so effective because like the, 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 the potential result that you know isn't going to happen is so horrifying that like you don't even, or at least I didn't even like immediately realize how ridiculous every piece of this is. Right. Cause like you said, like the elevator just like starts going and it's not because there's a guy on the bottom because the stop button works. Like it's just like what I don't understand what's happening, but I'm so horrified by the potential result. Like my mind fills in all the details that I'm like, I hate this and it's really effective. <laughs> yep. And simultaneously <laughs> absurd as hell. Yep. I mean, of course. <laughs> <laughs> they also, hey, they do the commercial cut as if Robert is going to get crushed. We all know he's not going to get crushed. Your commercials can't fool us. (laughs) His mom has Aunt May syndrome and Robert himself has Spider-Man death Uh syndrome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, Robert does manage to free himself. Um, I guess whatever was stuck unstuck itself. Sure. Um, And he manages to escape after sort of being like rushed and crowded and overwhelmed. Um, understandably, uh, he managed to escape via a smoke bomb and his hoverboard. Uh, but at his house, his mother does see him on TV and, uh, recognizes the equipment and costume he was working on earlier and having Aunt May syndrome, uh, puts her, her hand up to her, her forehead and, and sighs a great sigh. Uh, and then we cut away and I guess we just assume that she had a heart attack or something. Um, (laughs) They do they do come back around on that. She did not have a heart attack. But they don't get they any do. more specific. <laughs> no, it never gets more specific. We're just primed just... to understand what's going on here. <laughs> right, right. I also think it's hilarious that, like, they do show – I think this is more just, you know, the animation discrepancy with the, with the script maybe because, like, what he's televised, they show his face pretty explicitly on camera and he's mm-hmm. not wearing a mask and his mother still has to recognize him because of the equipment, not because of seeing his face on television, yeah. which sort of makes me wonder if maybe like, cause in the comics he does have a mask. Maybe they were writing it thinking he would. And then they designed him without one, which, you know, would make sense in this context. It's just like adds to the absurdity, I think. <laughs> okay. But can I, okay, this might be stupid and tell me if it is stupid. But, like, for some reason I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Is this more believable that she wouldn't necessarily recognize or be able to make out his face on the TV in 1996 or whatever than we would assume it would be now? 
And so the costume is what she would recognize. Because I've been thinking a lot about like like television quality and like camera quality for some reason lately and how wildly high definition and recognizable literally everything is on TV. I've been thinking about it because like I've been watching shows where like panelists makeup is so visible and I'm like, I guess there's literally nothing you can do about that anymore. Like it's just so high def. So I don't know. Maybe I'm being stupid and like forgetting that TV was fine, but I think it's fair, especially because like, in, in a case like this, it's also news, live news footage. The camera is constantly moving to follow this guy who's probably going fast. So there's a lot of movement. Um, and it's not like it's a hyper close up on his face. So like. But it is, I mean, you, you it is worth noting, like they do show his face. You are right. It's not yeah. like, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I've been thinking about that so much lately, but it felt I think like that's it an interesting. Here. That's an interesting thought. <laughs> like it doesn't really. It doesn't make that much of a difference in this episode sure. at all. Because uh, she recognizes him regardless. Yeah. But. Uh, but I, I, that is an interesting thought, though, because obviously that's like like it's going to look crisp and clear on an animated show. Mm-hmm. But how would have actually looked in that time period in real life? Yeah. like And would people watching the show at the time not necessarily think much of it? Yeah. Just because of context or whatever. Like, are Super we currently primed to be like, if you can see a face on TV, you're going to recognize it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I definitely take for granted. I mean, I'd wa- I remember. I, I kind of I want to like look back at old VHS tapes that I had where I like tape stuff off of TV yeah. in and and not even in the highest VHS quality mm-hmm. like in the extended play quality so you get six <laughs> right. hours in the tape like and I that's all I knew that's all I would watch all the time and I'm sort of like if I watch that now like would I just just want to vomit and how bad it is like I don't like how bad it must look now you know right do I just know that that's April in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because she's the only like girl in the apartment right now or like would I actually recognize her face in a different outfit in a different scene in a different lighting like you know what I mean like could they hide <laughs> yeah. her somewhere and I wouldn't notice <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know <laughs> somebody who knows video quality things tell me <laughs> yeah that's so funny <laughs> Um, I have those. I have a lot of the old VHS tapes. So if I if I digitize them, I will. I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at Big Wheels Hideout, uh, Big Wheels reviewing the security footage. Footage. Ugh. Footage. Uh, I hate that word. That sounds horrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep that in. Uh, he's reviewing the <laughs> he's reviewing the footage of Robert stealing his tech, and uh, the arm tattoo guy recognizes Robert. So Big Wheel instructs them to find Robert so they can prevent him from revealing where he stole the technology. So I like the way all of this is like sort of intersected too. It's uh, it's good. It's well well written in terms of how that plot is set up. Honestly, the plot makes a lot of sense. It just goes by so fast. It does. That it's I like... feel like I missed all of this stuff when I was watching it twice. So I'm glad that you. Ha- had these detailed notes on how yeah it <laughs> it's like hard to appreciate how well like everything intersects and is plotted because i mean not only does this episode go fast because it's this show i think this episode goes faster even than episodes we're used to like yeah, some of well, the cuts are so fast it is because it's doing an entire origin for both a new villain and yeah. a new like hero slash anti-hero and everything in his world. And it's still doing Peter Parker like relationship bullshit. Yeah, Like <laughs> this honestly time. is the type of thing that should have been a two part episode that they probably could not convince uh, folks to let them make two parts. Yeah. Because yeah. this needs to be stretched yeah. out at least twice as long as it is. And they wouldn't even yeah. need to add any plot points. 
They wouldn't. <laughs> and then you could you could just get more out of the conversations that uh-huh. Peter has and his internal monologue that yeah. makes him look less bad or less ignorant, you know? Yeah. Like Yeah. And yeah. some of the some of the cool action y things they could do wouldn't be like split second cool action things. They could be <laughs> full on cool action things. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as they set out, as the, the Big Wheel gang sets out, Spider-Man manages to follow Robert via a spider tracer back to his home. Yeah, and this is where we get the the third version of this conversation, the sort of second large version of this conversation, because Spider-Man uh, does find Robert, and he begins to give him a hard time. Again, not a good look for Peter uh, or Spider-Man in this moment. Um, but Robert fires back, explaining that if everyone thinks he's a criminal and treats him like a criminal, he doesn't see a point in futilely fighting against that when leaning into it could be a means for survival. Again, he did see Big Wheel doing exactly or or what looks like exactly what Robert is trying to do. Um, and Robert even made sort of like the the right decision right in the jewelry shop and then still ended up being chased by everybody. He once again had no time to explain. Was he breaking and entering? Yes. Was the response that they gave him one that should be for breaking and entering? Nope. <laughs> so he's <laughs> yeah. sort of back on the like, what, what am I supposed to do? They're going to treat me like this no matter what. So yeah. If it could benefit me, great. <laughs> yeah. He says explicitly, what's the point of playing by the rules? Yeah. Kind of like, I ag- I honestly ag- Because the rules are different you. for him. Yeah. Which yeah. is fundamentally unfair and unjust. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a really good point. The rules are, are, are fully different for him. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah that's, that's really, uh, that's a good observation that this show is making. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> that's why I was like shocked that there was no... Com- like easily uh, found commentary from John Semper yeah. uh, about this episode. And granted, he doesn't, yeah. I mean, he doesn't, it's, it's, he doesn't like have to talk about this necessarily because like he he's a black man else. and it's exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. Like I want to clarify, like, it's not that I just am shocked. He didn't talk about this purely because he's a black man. And this is about a black story. Like this is a black story, but like he does talk about literally everything else. <laughs> like yeah. so the fact that this particular episode, which I think, he he could talk about simply because he talks about everything else, but then also probably has a specific perspective almost nobody else on the show probably had. Like it's just yeah. wild to me. <laughs> like yeah, I can't imagine he didn't have input into how Robert is explaining some of these things. But I it's don't know. It's gotta be out there in some probably some deleted Facebook post or like on yeah. in audio that's not transcribed, so it wasn't coming up when it was searching. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it but yeah, I'm sure something's there. Um but yeah, the fact that it was, you know, you couldn't just find it is, is really surprising. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. does a great job. I think in explaining this, um, uh, once again, Peter is sort of, I mean, he doesn't even have a chance to respond here, which I think is a save, uh, for Spider-Man in the eyes of the audience, because who knows what he would have said. Um, uh, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> right. I don't have with, faith with, that he would have uh, well, said with, the right thing. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> They try. I mean, hey, they try to work that in at the end, and it's one of my actual actual critiques uh, or complaints, maybe more so uh, sure, about this yeah. episode. But uh, yeah, he probably would have done something like that, and it would have just felt like he was like lecturing this 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 teenager. Um, anyway, before he can actually respond, Felicia does interrupt them to tell Robert that his mother. This is so weird. I don't understand. Says his mother had a relapse when she saw Robert on TV. But, like, what – I don't quite understand what they're – like, why are they avoiding 
like just telling us what is going on with his mother. I think that that I think it might have been like an SMP role to just not be explicit about like illnesses, which seems stupid. But like the fact that, you know, Taina, they they never explicitly say that she's terminally ill. They just like make every implication to make it as clear as possible without ever explicitly saying it. Um, I think it's probably the same case here. Maybe. Does it feel this much like they're beating around the bush when it comes to Aunt May? Yeah, because they, they don't they're just like you're going to make I'm just her like filling in the sick. blanks. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, they they don't they they don't say heart attack in this show ever. Yeah, heart, I don't think they even say heart condition or anything. I think they're just like Aunt May's so frail. Like, yeah, I think that that's I think that they probably weren't allowed to say anything, which so is weird. so baffling to me because that's not that's not like a violence thing or whatever. Like that's like a no. real. That's real. Like, I mean, violence is real too, but like, it's not like, it's like, that's a thing that happens to everybody, you know, like everybody deals with sickness. It's also weird that like, she couldn't just like faint, like the tried and true, like nothingness of it all. Yeah. How do she fainted? Weird (laughs) language to have, or even had an episode or something like that. Like how to relapse is, is, is very specific language that feels odd like odd word choice i mean i I don't know if that applies to things that i don't necessarily like that i'm not thinking of or conjuring at the moment but it's very strange choice of words and coupled with the fact that they like never tell us what's going on with her is very weird yeah and all it is is because like she's not even at the hospital felicia's like she's resting at my apartment that's also bizarre to me (laughs) I mean, it's nice that she has this close relationship with this family, I guess, but it's sort of like your mother's sick. They don't even let her stay at her apartment. Like Felicia doesn't stay at her apartment. Felicia brings her to her apartment to rest at her apartment, but then goes back <laughs> all very to weird. the Robert's apartment. I, I don't understand. It's all very strange. It's all very yeah. strange. But it's honestly like it, 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 maybe it's just a thing that feels sort of out of time as opposed to being like totally like inherently strange. Cause like the, the whole like doctor like home visit thing is so aunt may. And then it makes its way into other things that are like way outside of like the sixties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it just like keeps happening. And it's like, I don't know if like, you don't have to do this. Like you don't have to have like home doctor visits. Cause Felicia yeah. even says like, Oh, a doctor's with her. Like who? Then why Who's is he doing at your that? Apartment? Right. Yeah, and I guess it's all. I mean, well, and that's it's so weird too, because like, do they? They don't even make. Because I was thinking like, oh, maybe it's just like to preserve like backgrounds. They don't have to draw a hospital background, but they never even make it. No, wait, they do make it to Felicia's apartment. So maybe it's literally so they didn't have to draw like a hospital setting and have different character models and. But just leave her in her apartment. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Why did she leave the apartment at all? The reason, the only reason they left the apartment at all is so there can be the car chase. They have a reason to leave the apartment to have the car chase sequence. It's literally the only reason that Robert's mother ever leaves the apartment. Apartment. that's true they can't have them all in the apartment otherwise that you wouldn't be able to yeah yep yep okay, okay. no I think but that's... then i still have an i still have an easy solution for they could have still said she went to the hospital and felicia and and at at robert's mother's you know behest she went back to the apartment to see if robert was there um and then if they don't want to draw the hospital then the last scene that's at felicia's apartment they can just move it back to to robert and his mother's apartment well, like it's all it is is an apartment background anyway and just say that she's out of the hospital now now that they're back they're back home and having this talk well that or they have the hardy they have the hardy science lab as a setting 
they could use that. They've shown yeah. that a few times. And Spider-Man yeah. had a tracer on him, so he literally could have gone anywhere. So yeah. if she stays at her apartment and Robert goes back to the lab for whatever reason, yeah, uh, I don't know, whatever. It's there just, probably it's is a, a weird... hospital setting anyway, because I feel like they they've uh, used uh, hospitals. Yeah, they have that they've setting. Had hospitals before <laughs> that set the exists. Mysterio, Mysterio was a plant in a fake hospital <laughs> exactly. before. It looks like a hospital room. Exactly. So like. None of it makes sense. That's bizarre. It's, <laughs> it's like very strange. It's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it just if it, yeah, it's it's weird. It's um, I don't get it. Yeah. While we're off the rails right now, before mm-hmm. we like, kind of get back into it, one note that I noticed that I missed from the last scene. So sorry to backtrack, but I love it because in in, B, in Big Wheels Lair, when they're playing that video of Robert, um, if you look at the buttons. There is a freeze button labeled freeze and freeze shows up on the screen that acts like a pause button does because it pauses the video footage. And the symbol for the freeze button is a square like the stop button. Just want to say, I think that is I'm just in love with that. (laughs) It's great. Could have just been a pause button, but you made it as complicated as possible and unlike a pause button as possible for no reason. This is the same show that gave Nick Fury like a child's toy keyboard. <laughs> it was basically a calculator, right? A giant, giant calculator. <laughs> Honestly, I'd like for their 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 buttons to get more ridiculous. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I think this is headed in the right direction. I think so too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so after after Robert gets this news from Felicia, right? Uh, Big Wheel and his rocket rejects arrive to kidnap Robert. Um, and this is the moment I didn't realize until this moment for some reason, even though it makes perfect sense. And I should have assumed like the store and the apartment are the same building. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think that. Um, but they show up um, to to kidnap Robert. They show up on the on the first floor where the store is and they're on the second floor where the apartment is. Anyway, uh, while Spidey fights off the jetpack gang, Felicia and Robert drive away in her convertible, which you referenced, right? Um, Big Wheel then begins to chase the convertible. We get a, I I thought, kind of cool chase scene because uh, mm-hmm. we get, like, Felicia with her hair flying. And... Oh, I think I think this this stuff is fun. Uh, I like, I think, I think it looks pretty cool, too. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think this, and uh, there was another, I don't remember exactly what moment it was, but this is sort of what I was talking about when I said, I think like, these are, these are some of the best integrated CGI environments that they've used. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is, if, if it's specific to this, but there's so many chases in this, in this episode. Um, and I think they, they use those CGI backgrounds that are ugly, but I think they use them better than, than a lot of times. I agree, um, yeah. Like purely as backgrounds and not as like environments. Yeah, uh, which is nice. I fully agree. Yeah, and and I think that it it actually helps, especially when with the car, and then when when uh, when Robert's on his skateboard, sometimes mm-hmm. like the speed at which the CGI background is sort of uh, is sort of like flying through the screen, I think really helps uh, show how fast everything is going. I think in a way that the traditional animation usually can't do. So. Yeah. Uh, since the background is moving with the characters, you know. I meant to check this too, and I forgot to. I think you remember when we did the um when we were talking about the uh, the tablet of time, and they had used like a CGI door at one point, and I was mm. like really surprised they did that because they hadn't integrated CGI in that way, the way mm. that we now have come to expect it. Um, 
I think they might have done something like that at the construction site. And I made a note to check it and I forgot to. Um, so mm, I hope I'm right. But I think they might have done some of that like integration into the actual environment animation in a way that I was really uh, imp- impressed is a strong word, but surprised um, that they did. Yeah. Anyway, this chase scene is cool. Felicia's hair is flying everywhere. It's Felicia a lot of in fun. In the convertible is is cool as hell because she's like yeah. badass, like action movie driver. And I mean, like they throw in like a big scream for her at certain points, but also there's a giant spiky wheel chasing after you. I'm <laughs> screaming too. Like she's still fucking just racing through, yeah. dodging cars and stuff, racing through Manhattan's uh, Manhattan's suspiciously empty roads right now. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's it's legit. I love it. You know, like, and her car getting, looks cool as hell. It fucking does. Like, cool especially looks, since it's not cool. like a 2017 CGI car, right? Like, this is just mm-hmm. a straight up traditionally animated car. Looks cool as hell. Looks looks like it's very much like a uh, like either Nissan or Mitsubishi like 90s sports car inspired thing with like the big mm-hmm. sort of like grilled swoop on the side. Like, yep. it looks so fucking cool. <laughs> it's really cool. It really does. There's like some really strangely detailed things in this episode that I really like. Like Robert's equipment, strangely detailed. Yeah, there's uh, a lot happening. <laughs> yeah, but it's like generally pretty consistent. Like there's some some discrepancies between how much detail is on things at any given point. But for yeah. the most part, it's like pretty detailed. Big wheel, very detailed. This convertible, very detailed. Uh, like yeah. it's really yeah. wild how much detail is in this episode sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so strange. Uh, but the car looks cool and I'm happy for it. So It does, yeah. Yeah, and it's nice to see, you know, future black cat felicia like getting in on some action yeah. sequences and not having to just be like a damsel hell like, she's yeah very heroic throughout this this whole thing actually. totally so ultimately when big wheel sort of gets like close to the convertible robert's like this is stupid you shouldn't even be involved in this uh like to felicia jumps out onto his hoverboard and is like well i'm gonna try to have him focus on me because like i don't want you to get crushed on my behalf uh, yeah. So she's like, well, fuck, and goes and finds Spider-Man to say, like, uh, guess what Robert just did uh, so that Spider-Man <laughs> can help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, after Big Wheel chases Robert throughout the streets of New York and onto its rooftops, thank God, like, less, less slightly less likely to squash people up there, uh, Spider-Man finds the two just in time to save Robert from being run over. Using the brief reprieve from being chased to uh, analyze Big Wheel, Robert realizes that the vehicle likely relies heavily on electric impulses to allow it such precise maneuverability. That was a lot of lot of lot of lot of uh, big synonym words that I just <laughs> said in that last sentence. Uh, not synonym. Oh my God, syllable. I can't talk. It's all bad. Everything's bad right now. Anyway, Robert says science words that sound uh, legitimate, uh, and he knows how to defeat Big. Yes, Wheel. and 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 sort of connect back to his gyro coaster, basically. Yeah, fun uh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so. Using a snapped and live power cable nearby, which, beautiful that Big Wheel is destroying a bunch of shit that will then end up destroying him. Beautiful poetry. Not, not you know, unusual for a superhero property, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, Spider-Man and Robert managed to overload the Big Wheel's systems using this power cable. Um, and this causes it to spiral out of control. And guess What? Into the river. Oh, this episode has everything, doesn't it? It's been so long since we've seen the river of no return. Right. Uh, so the river eats Big Wheel. 
uh, or the big wheel. Uh, but Spider-Man does swing in to ensure that the man called big wheel, uh, doesn't go down with the vehicle called big wheel, uh, before it goes into the river. (laughs) Yeah. So we can, so we can make sure that he makes numerous appearances after this. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for the redemption arc for big wheel. (laughs) Yeah. Would you say that the river technically also swallowed up green goblins lair in the last episode? Oh, see, that's interesting because like that pokes holes in our river theory, right? That like once, once in, and, and Spider-Man has survived the river as well. Um, presumably, although I don't know the river versus cause there's like the river, but then there's also like the ocean. That's true. And it's so hard maybe, to tell what's what. Maybe mm-hmm. I got to go back and like do my research on when things go into the river versus when things go into the ocean versus when it's unclear because this could most... be an unclear moment. This could be the coast. I don't know. Yeah, because a lot of the clear ones are when it's the bridge, and it's right, and it often it's usually called out as the river. And in in the Goblin's case, I actually think that that would has be to be off coast, right? To be off the coast, yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be. Interesting. How deep it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good call. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm cool is with it, saying this is the is river any just of because this I miss. Is any of this? Just, can somebody out there tell us? Is any of this good? <laughs> I just I was happy to see the return of the of the the river that eats everything Me too. in this episode. So I'm going to say that this one is 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 the river. Is there more than there's more than one, right? It isn't just the Hudson. Is there another river or is that the only one? I don't remember. I don't know. I constantly call Whatever. different parts of New York the wrong thing. So I'm not I the do right too. person I'm to ask. I'm so bad at it. I like know all the names of like the sections of New York and stuff like that, but I could not fucking tell you the difference from most of them. Yeah. Or or I would get the, get each of them wrong all the time. Mhm. Yeah. I just yeah, I get I I if you gave me a map, I wouldn't know where to start other than this yeah. is the island of Manhattan. Yeah. Not, <laughs> That's not all my, I could uh, do. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. I'll, if, if I go, I'm just using Google maps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not never going to know where I actually am. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, later at Felicia's apartment, Peter and Felicia sort of like debrief the whole situation while Robert explains what happened and why he was involved to his mother. Um, sort of sharing kind of what he shared a little bit with Spider-Man and with Peter, but also now that he he gets why everybody was pushing him in the direction of continuing his research. Because ultimately, it was Robert's idea and understanding of uh, the gyroscopic stuff that led them to defeating Big Wheel. Uh, so this is sort of his, like, aha moment. Yes, it Which is, is fine. Uh, I think this yeah. is also where we get, like, what I referenced earlier where he's like, I understand now that science is my responsibility and blah, 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 blah. And hella blah, blah, blah. Like there was like a weird bow that rot, like that they try to put on everything through some weird, like here is the moral of the story. It feels very South park. Like here's what we learned today, gang. Um, And I think if they just got rid of that, everything would feel so much better. It's not this moment. I think it was like the last scene or something, but um I didn't even write it down because it annoyed me so much. It makes it feel like the very special episode kind of thing that is yeah. really off-putting. And it's going to make people be like, oh, I don't like this episode. Yes. trying to teach you lessons. And it's like you would have learned more if you didn't state that. Yeah. Because it's all, you know, it's there in the text. You right. Don't need, you don't need your characters to spout it as a moral lesson yeah. to children, you know. Because um, you learn it through the experiences of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I don't like about the scene is that Felicia and Peter just like a barge in on this, you know, intimate heart to heart that Robert and his mom are having. Yeah. They just like they're in the middle of it. And Felicia's like, like, what's more, what's even better is what's going on in there. And then opens the door and they just stand there and smile at them. And it's Seriously. like, y'all, awkward, personal space, please. Seriously. 
Uh. <laughs> it's like it's like they in the universe are treating Robert and his mother like characters on TV. Like, and look in here at what's going on here. <laughs> That's literally what they're let doing. us watch. <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 this episode does a lot of really good stuff in the way it tells its story, but wrapping it up is not not necessarily. Uh, oh yeah, part of that strength. <laughs> yeah, probably the, the, the end of the lowest point of the episode. I think it's honestly just like the last couple of minutes of it because yeah. kind of yeah, all of this is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This next thing is so. I mean, I get why they would want to include it, but it feels very much like the type of thing that I would advocate for editing. Like, this is where we edit. Like, this is where we say no, no more. Yeah. Because the episode ends with these two small scenes. The second one is fine, I think, because uh, yeah. it clearly seems to be leading to other things. But this first one is a scene where Spider-Man and Robert uh, interrupt the arm tattoo guy and a number of the other gangsters as they do attempt to burn down Robert's mother's store. And I understand why they would want to include this, right? Because you want to see the gang get its comeuppance. But at the same time, I think it's kind of implied and you can very easily presume that when Big Wheel falls, so does his gang and therefore the store is no longer in trouble. Like, I don't know that they needed this part. They just really wanted to work in Spider-Man saying, I always did want to hang with the homeboys. Well, if ever there were a better argument for them to edit uh, that line alone. (laughs) It it's does so feel cringy. very Spider-Man, but it's super cringy, it's so and I hate cringy. it. <laughs> so cringy. Ugh. I mean, at least he's, at least he's, uh, no, nope, never, I'm not even, nope, there's it's no, just bad. No it's just bad. <laughs> no. It's bad. There's no saving it, so there's no point in me saying what I was about to say. It's just bad. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other scene, Um, it's like fine, I guess. It's, uh. Um, Spidey just uh, comes upon Felicia um, uh, agreeing to have another date with Jason Phillips. Uh, And it's, I mean, it's basically, you actually see her thought process because they've just had a date. He asked her out again and she's sort of like thinking about Spider-Man, but then like deciding, actually, no, I'm not seeing anyone. Yeah, it's fine. Let's have another date. You're cool. You're rich and cute. Let's do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, I love the way that Mark Hamill says Felicia. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was so bizarre. Felicia. Mark. Mark. (laughs) Felicia. Yeah. Yeah. So she's moving on. She's moving on from her Spider-Man infatuation. Um, Spidey, actually, I'm going to comment on this because you got the quote wrong, but I think it actually is helpful because it's telling. Oh, did I? Whoops. Because, yeah, because I have the captions on for it. What's embarrassing is so did I. Ooh. (laughs) It's okay. Well, it's okay because I actually think it kind of highlights something interesting. Because what you wrote down that uh, Spider-Man says is, Sweet dreams, Felicia. Time to let you go. What he actually says is, it's hard to let you go. Which is not a, it's not a big difference, but I think it's slightly more selfish because it's not him and slightly less self-aware because it's not him acknowledging that, like, it's time for me to let you go. It's him just still being, like, still being a little bit bitter. Like, it's hard that I have to let you go. Like, it's still a little bit selfish on his part. It's still a sweet yeah. moment and he blows her a little kiss and it's cute, but it's still oh, like. It was weird. <laughs> it's still weird. It is weird. But, like, it's also not it's not like the grossest thing he's ever done which is low bar but yeah he was, i was you know. instantly i mean granted he he and felicia were having their little like fling thing uh i just i'm 
automatically after after how many times we've seen him do it just automatically turned off anytime spider-man is like spying on a girl that he wants to fuck like get, oh, just yeah. stop I agree. just I agree. It's... stop yeah so i didn't really give it a fair chance but yeah Ugh. i think i think it is nice that he actually like for the first time in this show is acknowledging that like i can't keep pursuing this person you know yeah. like it's actually that's honestly like the biggest movement relationship wise that this version of peter parker has ever had uh which is sure saying something because just not continuing to harass a girl that you like is the lowest bar imaginable but yeah. you know whatever it's him yeah. um but, you know, it is still a very woe is me kind of ending for it, which like whatever you like her, I guess. But after this, you know, it's it's really hard with this Peter after spending so much time with him, just complaining and thinking and being entitled uh, to women that have made it clear that they don't want to be with him. Yep. You know, Yep. it's hard to let you go. Oh, wow. You did something so heroic and challenging by, <laughs> by you know, yeah, not asking her out for the 50 millionth time after she's turned you down every single time yeah what a hero <laughs> honestly we could edit spider-man out of this entire episode mm-hmm. he doesn't need to be here 100 <laughs> percent. yeah he does not need to be there yeah you just tweak a couple of moments where robert yeah. does figure out how to save himself without spider-man being there and everything and make felicia same. a little bit more important in those moments yeah yeah it would probably be a better episode if Spider-Man wasn't there, <laughs> which is so sad to say, but like, eh, I mean, yeah. that is kind of, you know, I think that's the a fault of this episode. Yeah. I think that's. Well, this episode is, is about something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think if it was a two-parter, they maybe could have, you know, they, they could have given Spider-Man more to do to make him more relevant if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's just not a lot of time for him. So the little that he's in it is just not. Uh, you know, it's almost obligatory. Weirdly, <laughs> yeah. No, it def- I think it definitely is. I think it definitely is, and that's that's fine. It is. It's literally Spider-Man the animated series. Like, it's yeah. Fine. The the fact <laughs> that they use that they use this show, yes, a Spider-Man show, as a platform to tell this kind of story that is not one that you can that you would really see in Spider-Man that often because his cast of characters is so white. You know. Right. Like this isn't a story that you could tell with Spider-Man. You could probably you could maybe tell a version of it now with Miles if you wanted to, because you literally have a black Spider-Man. They have. <laughs> so <laughs> they've dabbled like, in that's, this. <laughs> that's cool. That took you know what yep. another decade and a half before mm-hmm. that happened. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, two it's, decades it's, almost. You know, like I, yeah. So it's it's cool that they use this as a way to tell that story when you know. Yeah. It was. In, at that time, that that was a that was a really that it was. I mean, it's it's always been, but especially considering what was happening uh, at that time, especially it was very important for them to uh, to to at least attempt to to tell that story. Yeah, yeah, I uh, very much like the Hydra Man episode. I'm like just uh, as much as I enjoy both of these two episodes, I just like am also just thankful we got them. Because it's, yeah. it, I, I just wasn't expecting this to be the platform where we got stories like that. So mm-hmm. it's just like a nice little blessing to get them and to be able to, to talk about them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, a couple of faces of the episode, um, I'm always inclined toward anything that can be memefied. Um, and there's this one moment in, <laughs> in the episode where Spider, it's right after Spider-Man loses or like runs out of web fluid. So he's just like standing on a roof watching Big Wheel and his gang like leave. And uh, because they used to be in the frame, 
it's just Spider-Man like down into the right, like gesturing to empty space um, where Big Wheel used to be. Uh, and I like it. And I just want to put all sorts of things above where his hand is. What is he talking about? What's he gesturing towards? I don't know. You decide. <laughs> it's fine. I like it. <laughs> and then also Peter's face after uh, <laughs> after Felicia uh, accepts Jason Phillips' date is puzzling. He looks puzzled, and I am puzzled at why he looks like this. Yeah. It's <laughs> such a strange reaction. Peter looks, like, ridiculous in that entire scene. Like, when he's yeah. looking at Robin. I almost pulled the face, but it was too close to this one, so I didn't bother. But there's, like, a there, like when he's looking at, at Robert's gyroscope, like, they make him look so old and tired when he's looking at it. Like, it's like, <laughs> why did y'all draw so more lines shadows. on him? What are you doing? <laughs> they, they, yeah, they, they, it's the detail and the shadows they include in this episode that is, like, sometimes it's sometimes it's honestly when it's just like spider-man and action stuff it's like oh neat uh but yeah in this moment it's like why is he in like his whole face is in shadows right now uh (laughs) which i guess is like he's a bad guy in this moment so sure um but yeah like why does he look old when he's looking at robber's stuff yeah i don't know it's weird it's weird whatever the show yeah yeah it's it's always it shows always a mixed bag but yeah, there's yeah, I uh there's even there was more goodness in this episode than I thought there was. And I was really impressed with like the core of it when watching it, but uh honestly like breaking it down like it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like, I it's mean, it's really good. I, I expected there to be a good conversation here. I didn't expect there to be a 2-hour long conversation here. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's I I I would highly recommend watching this this episode and giving it like proper time and consideration. Yeah, like watching it from the lens that I think it's asking to be watched from is important. Which is always our goal. That's what we try to do. I think the perspective of this episode is very clear and very pointed, and it it is different from the perspective this show normally has, um, which, again, is why I think you could be watching it and feeling like it feels off and, and therefore call it the worst episode ever i still don't know how you could do that like there's so much there's so there's, much worse that's already happened there's so much more boring yeah. episodes there's so much more it's whatever <laughs> nonsensical more, episodes stupid but like yeah i yeah there's just there's a there's a lot of really interesting stuff here and at the very least i think it's i think you have to give them credit for telling a challenging story uh that's not often told in kids television that's aimed at white kids mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just let, let's be real you know yeah, yeah. i mean like because again whether whether everybody was watching this or not i'm sure they were mostly thinking of white kids <laughs> like, yeah unfortunately like, that's how it is the writers that's... might not have john semper might not have right but like mm-hmm. the marketers certainly were absolutely the stations absolutely. certainly were the advertisers certainly were uh-huh yep yep well, if you would like to hear us uh, talk about all sorts of things, sometimes as important and cool as this, sometimes as frivolous or silly as, uh, you know, Doctor Strange comics featuring Venom, uh, or rather the symbiote, or I guess the Venom symbiote, you know, whatever, uh, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We have all sorts of extra content um, about all sorts of different things. Uh, you can also check out our Discord um there should be a link in the show notes but if you don't see it there or if you can't find it or if it's not working just let us know uh we'll hook you up we are growing a little little community in there and we like it if not those places you can find us all over the place on the internet derek where can people find you and the stuff you're working on 
Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale, and you can find me on YouTube under my video essay show, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on another podcast here on the 4A Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast where I get together with my friends and talk about Pokemon just as I feel like it. If you like books and video games, you can listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Vicky and Katie and I talk about all the media we've been consuming lately. And if you are listening to this in real time uh, and you're a Survivor fan, or if you're just watching season 41 out of time and would like more of that content, you can listen to me as a panelist on the Spy Shack podcast over on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts if you would like more from derek and me you can listen to our monthly podcast called falling with style it's an ongoing pixar movie marathon where we watch every pixar film chronologically our episode on brave is out now wherever you get your podcasts for everything we just mentioned pretty much or at least a portal to get to it uh, you can visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com, which has uh, an archive of all the stuff that Derek and I have worked on together and certainly could get you to anything else we just mentioned. Uh, follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod, or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Especially if you know of any uh, interviews uh, or just general musings uh, John Semper has done on this episode. We would love to have that stuff if you have already found it. Um, Absolutely. Please send it to us. Uh, also, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on all podcast platforms. Uh, if you like what we're doing, somebody else will too, and those ratings and reviews make us much easier to find. Next week, Peter seeks help from a certain blind attorney when he's framed in The Sins of the Fathers Chapter 6, Framed. It's going to team up with the thing. Yep. See ya. Bye.